Hey guys, this is Corey Parker, Supercoach God, and you are listening to the Supercoach Champions podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Supercoach Champions podcast. You're here with Catfish, Bailey, and uh, I'm joined by the double shift man himself. It's the reigning champ, 2022 overall champion, Matt White. How's it going, Matty? Yeah, mate. Uh, look, I think I'm going better than you are, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that throughout the show, I think. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I heard there was a bit of slander going on last night, uh, so-called personal issues. I just want to you know put it out there. There's already a defamation suit going out towards Joe, so well, no, no doubt that'll play out, and that's about all I can say, apparently, according to media law these days. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, as you can tell, my dulcet tones are a little bit damaged at the moment, but I'm, I'm here because uh, the champs wanted me, apparently. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll get through it. Anyway, uh, yeah, look, I wanted to say, yeah, great job for two of you last night holding down the fort. Apparently, when I'm not on, it seems like time passes faster or something. <laughs> yeah, Joe is a Joe's a stickler for punchy, but yeah, mate, we got through it. I'm sure you appreciated it. Look, I'm back. We're going to jump into the number crunching. That's what I'm all about. So we'll get back into it. All right. So thanks again to our good friend Carl McGrath, accountant. If you want to make sure you're not fudging your numbers when it comes to your taxes, make sure you get Carl to help you out. This week, it is all about the hooker position. I did a deep dive into the five eights last week, but yeah, as we get to a you know relatively tricky part of the season, I know plenty of people are asking, you know, do I hold Harry? Do I not hold Harry? And if I don't hold Harry, what's the plan when Harry's not available? So here we are to sort that out. But just before I dive into it, uh, I've got Harry and Sonny Luke at the moment. So Sonny Luke is definitely becoming someone else before next week, basically. How are you sitting at the hooker position for yourself, Matt? Yeah, I've also got Harry and um, and Sonny Luke. I'm not guaranteed I'm going to turn either one into someone else, but um, hopefully in the next five minutes you can tell me exactly who I should be turning that into. But Sonny has definitely been underwhelming, hasn't he? Yeah, unfortunately, I guess we all got suckered into that preseason chat, right? You know, he was going to play 50 minutes or so off the bench, eventually build up and build up. Look, I gave him an excuse, you know, a bit of a pass early in the season when he had a you know setback or had a bit of an injury in the preseason, missed, you know, the last couple of weeks of the preseason. So I figured he was going to take a little bit of time to build into it. But as the season's gone on, like his minutes looked like they were trending, but then he got the head knock, missed a week from a foul to HIA, and since then he's never really kicked on. So it's unfortunate that we've now got stuck with him. But uh, yeah, we'll have to kind of work through that. So I'm going to quickly start at the top. Here's Harry Grant. No surprises there. We expected him to be the number one hooker. In total points and averages, he's there. He's also the most expensive guy, but he's lost a bit of cash since his starting price. Sitting at a cool 696 for 500. He's averaging 72.8 with a three-round average of 79. He's only missed one game, and that's because the Storm were on the bye that week. He's hitting a base and base attack of 56.7, playing pretty much 80 minutes most weeks with the odd early shower here and there. 
He's only got two tries, six tries, he has two try contributions, two line breaks, and uh, I believe it's six line break assists. So by grand standards, that's actually quite low. I, I gave the shout out before. He's never really gone t- more than two games since he debuted without an attacking stat. He had a dry spell of about four weeks this year. So he's uh, making up for lost time a little bit there. But, you know, you kind of think, is this also a bit of a byproduct of the Storm being a little bit short in the middle? Uh, you know, coming into the season, then they lost Nass and, and Kami Kamitha was gone for a bit. And yeah, so, you know, maybe that's all part and parcel of his struggles. But look, Grant, he's been doing it for a while. We know he's an attacking weapon. He's going to get those attacking stats. So I'm not worried, basically. So... No surprises there, right? That's pretty much what you expected from Harry, if not something a little bit better even. Yeah, his um, his base and base attack is, is better than what I thought it was going to be, right? I, I thought he would be averaging more, but that's through those attacking stats that are slightly a bit down. But yeah, 56 in, in sort of floor is pretty good from Harry. And it's why I think we're going to see him be the number one guy come end of season. Now, currently number two is Jeremy Marshall King. He's only 16,000 less than Grant at 68700. He's averaged 68.9 on the season with a three-round average of 71.7. But he has missed three games so far, so he's only played eight. One was via the bye last round for the Dolphins and then two from a suspension earlier in the year. His base base attack sits at 49.1 points per game. He's got one try, seven try assists, three try contributions, two line breaks and six line break assists. He's also been sin-bin once, but... I guess looking at the numbers, his attacking output is actually outperforming Harry Grant at the moment. So there's many reasons narrative-wise you can put around it. Obviously, new team, new responsibility as the primary hooker. He's playing 80 pretty much every game now. Is Marshall King legit attacking stat-wise or is he going to regress? Because without those attacking stats, he's not going to maintain his average. Uh, yeah, I guess we've been sitting here and, well, I have been in particular sitting here trying to... Uh sandbag the Dolphins for, for 11 weeks now. and <laughs> I think Marshall King is just playing up the back of them, right? If the Dolphins fall down, Marshall King does, but who's going to say they're going to fall down with the way they're going? And and he looks good. Like the start of the season, or, or I think it was maybe last year, he came out and said he wanted to be a top five hooker in the league and, and people sort of laughed him out of the room. Well, yep, guilty, guilty. <laughs> he's showing that and potentially more, right? Absolutely. Look, you spot on there. He's definitely passing the eye test. I've been really impressed by him. So, you know, I think Dolphins are going well because he's playing really well himself. So I dare say, you know, not just for Supercoach, he's obviously getting the pack rolling. You know, you look at the team, you kind of think, well, they're they're a bit short, uh, you know, in the pack, but he's doing good work and uh, it shows what a difference a good hooker can do with, um, you know, subpar, or probably subpar's a bit rough, you know, uh, a, a non-all-star uh, forward pack, which I guess the Dolphins currently... Uh, do have at the moment so yeah look it, it comes down to one thing right is he going to continue that form and maintain those attacking stats if he does then I think he might finish the season potentially as the number two hooker behind Harry Grant so the only difficulty is is obviously you know if you jump on you're going to pay through the nose for him but you have the two most expensive hookers for the season I guess that's a matter of team value for yourself maybe to work out how things go but yeah Sticking with the numbers, number three hooker so far this year is Damian Cook. He's priced at 591.700. He's averaged 61 for the season. Three-round average of 55.7. He's played all 11 games so far. And his base and base attack sitting at 52.4 points per game. Cookie's only got one try, four try assists, one try contribution, 
one line break and four line break assists. So by Cookie's standards, that's actually a little bit lower. He's not quite the attacking machine that Grant has been in the past, but we know he still is dependent on the attacking stats to match Harry's uh, average or, or get somewhat close, which he did do last year. He was within three points per game. So I think, you know, base-wise, it's pretty decent. He's never really going to let you down there, but he's just missing that attack. And I don't know, like we saw a drop last year, right? That's because they focused their game a lot more around, you know, Cody and Latrell in terms of attacking stats. You wonder, you know, is that continuing? It looks like it is so far. So, you know, I guess the the other consideration is unless he's dropped from origin, he's not really a consideration now and not even post-state of origin because the Bunnings, because they have such a good buy schedule for origin purposes and the rep round purposes, he's going to miss round 20 and round 26 if he does, uh, you know, if you bring him in late in the season. So he may not, because of the draw, actually be a, an ideal option right now for Supercoach. Any any further thoughts there? Or Look, I, I wouldn't say Cookie's over the edge in terms of age, as you say, but he's definitely not on the upward part of the hill. And as the season goes on, I can't say those attacking stats are going to come from nowhere. So, yeah, look, if, you, if you've owned him, he's been not horrible, punching out an average of 61, but I don't think he's a buy. And especially with their, their buy schedule, I really don't think he's a get. And I would go as far as to say, if he's picked for origin, I think he's a sell and just don't look back, basically. All right, we'll keep him moving. So the number four hooker this year is actually Reese Robson, sitting at 575,200. He's averaged 59.3 over the season, three-round average of 57. Also has missed any games so far. His base and base attack, almost identical to Cookie. Uh, slightly better, actually, 52.6. So Reese has two tries, one try assist, two try contributions, two line breaks and two line break assists. So, look, that's pretty much Reese Robson. He's playing 80 minutes every game this year. So that's one thing we saw that was, you know, he built into the second year, second half of the year playing 80. But, yeah, the first half of last year, he didn't play 80 in the start. So, you know, this seems to be the new norm for him. He's got great base, obviously. And the, the fact is he's not really the same type of attacking hooker, right? I think these attacking stats, they might be kind of where he sits. Maybe he'll get a couple more. And I imagine, you know, getting someone like a Tamalolo back uh, probably helps. Maybe Nanai, if he finds a bit of attacking form or just form in general, that probably could help him a little bit too. So I kind of think this is, as, I won't say as bad as it gets for Reese, but this is close to his floor. I feel like this, you know, if you jump on now, this could be, you know, the, the lowest he's to the rest of the year or some or thereabouts. That's kind of my gut feel. And that's why I'm really looking at him quite seriously, my own team for next week. Yeah, it feels like if you go back to Marshall King, you, you're probably buying him at somewhere near his top and, and Robson's probably the exact opposite. I know I was heavy off him last year. I know he was quite hyped last year, but I just couldn't get around Reese Robson and the Cowboys. But um, I didn't think I would look at him. But as you say, he's probably definitely in the top three conversation to, to bring in at the moment. The Cowboys obviously have a great buy schedule. And in particular, I think the biggest tick for him is that he – his buys that he missed, so obviously around 19, one of the three big buys, but he plays 13, 16. More importantly, he plays 14 as well, and also 17. So he covers the post-origin rounds. His only buy comes in, in that period, comes in round 15, which he, they're the only team on buy, so he, his loss shouldn't be missed too much. And then he does have a late season buy in round 24. But again, that's not likely to be around that, you know, provided Harry Grant's fit. You know, if you pair Grant and Robson, their buys complement each other so well. So you might not, 
you know, that could be your combo for the rest of the year. So hence, again, my interest in, in pairing Robson. Uh, look, having said that, that applies pretty similarly for Marshall King too. So his buy schedule, you know, round 16 is the only big buy they missed. He's obviously had his first buy just then. And it's round 21 late in the season where, yeah, so he'll cover 14, 17, and then 20. So his schedule also matches very well with Grant, but obviously like he's you know a good uh, 125K more pretty much or thereabouts, 115K, I can't add. <laughs> uh, so yeah, for me, it's it's honestly, it's coming down to those two. But I'll throw a fifth name in the mix and actually pretty highly rostered or was highly rostered, Reed Marnie. He's the fifth highest averaging hooker so far, sitting at 550,800. He's averaged 59.2 points per game, actually sitting with a three on average of 63.3. So he's also missed no game so far. His base and base attack though, 45.1, easily the lowest of the top five. He's had one try, seven try assists, one line break, seven line break assists. And one thing in his favor, he's also got two 40-20s. He's been pretty good at kicking those. So clearly lowest work rate of the top five, uh, you know, followed by Marshall King. But then his attacking output right now, it's pretty much at Harry Grant, Marshall King levels. So I guess that's kind of what you're counting, right? Is Reed Marnie going to keep attacking the way that he has been? Because if he doesn't, you're going to get the odd 35 to 45 score based on his, you know, his average there. What are your thoughts on Reed? Yeah, not huge on Reed. His buy schedule is not as good as as Reese Robson's. Um, like he misses round 13. So if you did bring him in, you'd be you'd be going sort of hookerless in round 13. And although the Bulldogs are getting some of their forward pack back. Shortly, Luke Thompson can't be far away. Um, TPJ should be about to reach full fitness. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's all. That's all that deserves is a laugh, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, not not huge on Reed. But if you do own, there is twenty twenty one percent owned. I think it might be worth maybe just copying your AE in thirteen, saving that trade and and holding from there. I don't know if I'd be huge on selling Reed money. Yeah, it does feel a little bit sideways, right? To jump off Reed to go to a like a Robson or Marshall King or something like that. He does cover around sixteen and nineteen, so two of the three big buy rounds. But the the kicker for me is he misses round seventeen. He's uh, on the one of the three teams on the buy, along with the Sharks and the Tigers. So that's definitely a big you know red mark. Because well, I'll put it this way: if you plan to hold Harry Grant, you need someone who's going to cover fourteen, seventeen, and twenty. That's what I want to make sure of. So. That's why Reed Marnie's not on my radar because he's not going to help in round 17. And, you know, no Grant, no Marnie. That'll be a bit of a problem spot potentially. So, yeah, look, those are the five highest averaging hookers. I'm not saying the others are irrelevant, but it's hard to see them coming into play. Blake Braley is the other one, like, you know, someone who's dear to your heart, right? <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, he's one of the boys, but yeah, averaging 55, he's definitely got a low one in him. And it's it's tough because he's not not a bad player. He looks all right on the field. It just doesn't always translate to super coach, which is obviously that's our focus here. So for me, you know, I'm pretty comfortable. I'm I'm going to hold Harry. My, my trade situation means I got to stick fat with him because I know I want him post Origin. So I need to decide who to pair him with. Right now, it's come down to Marshall King or Robson, and you know the 115k bat, you know difference plus Marshall King's, I guess reliance on attacking stats over Robson means I might have to look to Robson as a bit of a cut cut price option 
compared to Marshall King? Where are you sitting? Have I convinced you of any of them? <laughs> I think you have. There was a small part of me that was still thinking of holding Sonny Luke. Um, but while, while you were just talking, I, I had a quick scroll through his scores again, and it, it gets worse every time you look at it. So I think he's got to go. He's down to 242000 so it, you've got to find some cash there to, to get rid of him. But if you um, – yeah, Reese Robson's – I think he's got to be the guy over Jeremy Marshall King. If you're, if you're a true Dolphins believer, and, and, and maybe the NRL physio might be buying Jeremy Marshall King, but – I, I would like to steer anyone else away maybe and, and Reese Robson's probably my guy. To be fair, I'd love to have that pairing if I could afford it, right? If, if your team value is sitting there, I think Marshall King, you know, he, he's looking really, really good. He's only in 5% of rosters. So Grant, who's obviously owned by most of Supercoach, that's relevant. Uh, you know, he's sitting at 44% roughly. So between Grant and Marshall King, that would be a great combo, but you know, Robson's almost at 8% and I think he'll climb because he's a bit more affordable. So, yeah, look, I, I couldn't stare anyone away from Marshall King, but you're, you're counting on the attacking stats to continue, which they could very well do. But I guess I'm always going to err on the side of, well, what happens if he doesn't get those stats? And that's where I'm looking there. So, all right, deep dive into the hooker position and a bit of strategy chat and mixed in. So... Uh, thank you to Carl again. Get in touch with him. We've had some people reach out in recent weeks, so that's great. Hopefully, uh, they've been able to speak to Carl and you know, he's helping them with their taxes. He will legally maximize your tax refund. So whether it's just basic tax return or accounting for things like rental properties, capital gains on share trading, or even crypto, Carl can get stuck in and help you record everything correctly. Carl tells us there's no job too big or too small. He's able to handle it all, handle it all for you, whether it's a small individual tax return right through the businesses, run through companies, partnerships, or trust, Carl can help you out. And, you know, obviously on his side, being a small business himself, he's got very few overheads and he can pass the savings onto his clients and he'll do all the work himself. So that is part of being a small business owner there. And he again wants us to remind everyone he is doing special for Supercoach Champions podcast listeners, 99 bucks for a basic tax return, or if you don't have a basic tax return, he'll help you out in pricing. So, yeah, and chat to you about Supercoach. And again, reminder for any listeners that are already clients, make sure you're in the listening league that he's got going. And, yeah, get in touch with him for the details for that because you can go on to win a prize of basically a free basic tax return or an equivalent of that off your fees for the season. Anyway, uh, that's enough of chatter there. Let's take a quick break. Big thanks to our friends over at Manscaped for sponsoring this episode. If you didn't already know, the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming aren't just going gold this season, they're going platinum. You heard that right, Manscaped has taken their signature performance package 4.0 to the moon with their upgraded platinum package. With products ranging from shower goods to ball care, this is their sleekest, sexiest and smoothest bundle yet. It's time to go platinum and join the 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code CHAMPIONS. The Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. A package unlike any we've seen before, so whether you're new or a seasoned Manscaped vet, there's something for you. Inside this Platinum Package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, brand new Weed Whacker 2.0 Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Ultra Premium Body Wash, Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, Ultra Premium Deodorant, Crop Preserver Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant, 
Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray, Anti-Chafing Boxes, and the Shed Travel Bag to hold your goods while traveling. The Platinum Package 4.0 covers all bases from head to toe and the best bang for your shebang. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CHAMPIONS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code CHAMPIONS. Get a taste of the finer things in life with Manscaped. Good morning, Captain. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the captain speaking. Aye, aye, Captain. I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. He's heavy. All right, Captain C. So last week it was an interesting one. Obviously, plenty on Nico. I got a couple of friendly unicorns post uh, final updates to get himself to pretty pretty much a really solid pick. Dave Fafita was probably the name that we mentioned on the pod. That was a decent decent option that you could have pivoted to. If you went Latrell, you wouldn't be too upset. You gave up what, seven points to Nico in the end. You were ahead at first, but anyway. <laughs> so yeah, that's where I went in the end. My my gut said uh, I had to back the bunnies in. You know, given I had Cody and, and AJ in there and a bit of a backfire, but Latrell got it done. Bit of garbage time there, but you know, you'll take it anyway it comes, basically. So a bit of a tough one this week. You know, the, the early games, obviously Broncos and Panthers could be anything. Dragons and the Roosters, obviously, you know, you would have thought just back your Roosters, but who can you trust right now, right? And then the third game is the Bunnies and the Eels. Uh, and then obviously, you know, Nico. The, the potential every week captain plays in the fourth game of the round. So, well, let's start with the vice captain. See, I've got it on the trail at the moment. He seems to be, you know, one of the best picks. Maybe Cody Walker is your other option, or you know, someone from the Bunnies, or maybe someone from the Eels. If you think the Eels are on for an upset, outside of that, I'm pretty much staying away from everyone else in the first two games. I just don't see the ceiling for a loop worthy score, uh, you know, anywhere. Yeah, I think you, uh, you're pretty safe to almost throw your vice captaincy out the window this week and not even worry about it. Just put the C on Nico and, and turn the app off. But the hard part is with, with Cleary being at at halfback as well and, and Nico not having the fullback flexibility like he did last year, you, you can't BC Cleary because I know they do play the Broncos and the Broncos are flying high, but they are a rayless or, or, or somewhat rudderless potentially. So maybe... You need to find someone who, who can score four tries, I guess. So whether you find Toto um, or, or I think, yeah, AJ, Luttrell or, or Cody are probably you guys at the VC. Um, we spoke last night, Joe and I, about the Indigenous round, the potential uplift for the Bunnies boys. Parramatta are sort of struggling and potentially they, they need a win. But, yeah, look, for me it's a C on Nico and, and no further thought. I think it's a good shout there. Uh, one thing to note, obviously, is, you know, Luttrell, for me, like, it, it sticks in my mind because I think in his debut season in, in Indigenous Round, I can't remember if he's, like, we went with that narrative. We talked about it, like, you know, does he lift because it's Indigenous Round? I think he scored 100, but I could be wrong. It was either he scored 100 or he scored 20. It's one of the two. <laughs> I'd have to go back and look, but it was, uh, it was it stuck in my mind because, that was where it really cemented it. I think it was a narrative that Latrell lifts for Indigenous round. I haven't, I've, I'll be honest, I haven't gone back and double-checked numbers since then. But yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he, he turned up that week because I benched him and I shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah, they're the ones you remember, aren't they? The, uh, yeah, when you make yeah. a bad call like that. That's it. I, I feel like he went 20 and then I benched him and then he went 100 in, in Indigenous round. 
and I should have, yeah, obviously read into the narrative a little bit more. But look, let's be let's be real. Obviously, Nico Hines also Indigenous himself, so you, you can't go too far wrong. It's uh, VC Latrell, uh, C Nico for me. If you want to get a little bit left field, bit riskier, look, Dave Fafita is still there, you know, playing late in the round. This one is in Sydney though, so again, I'm not sure if it really matters unless it's a weather thing. Not sure there's anyone like unless do you want to get a bit frisky like a monster against the Dolphins at Suncorp. Harry Grant as a captaincy, I guess if you had to, they're, they're options, but it's hard to go past Nico, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon at, at Coffs Harbour against the Knights. Um, and he, uh, yeah, unicorns are hard to find at night time, but I'm sure he'll find them during the day. So look, Val Holmes is another, if you were super duper frisky um, against the Tigers, but, but it is at Leichhardt Oval and the Tigers are... Uh, the new team on the rise, so that's it. You know, form team of the comp. I've I've heard. <laughs> All right, this this segment might get uh, you know shorter and shorter as we go on the season because it's just hard to go past Nico when he's pumping out you know ninety plus so often. So, all right, let's get stuck in a bit of strategy chat. So bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. So this segment also won't be too long because we dove into the hooker strategy quite deep before. But I wanted to play off that kind of thinking, right? The idea that you can balance your origin guys with the right backup position, if you get what I'm saying. You know, it can hold Harry Grant if you've got a you know viable second hooker. So for me, like, it comes down to, you know, fullback. These are the tough positions to, to cover, right? If you're going to hold Latrell. I think it's viable. It's tough because Luttrell does miss, you know, not just the 13, 16 and 19, but he might, he'll definitely miss 20 as well with the buy there. He might miss 17, 14 on top of that. So there's a world if he gets arrested because the bunnies are traveling well. And, you know, I think you, uh, I think you said before Blake Tuff, obviously done a job for them in the past. Like if he misses 13, 14, 16, 17, 19, 20, and only plays 15, uh, and then uh, 18, then you should have sold a 12, right? You should have just traded him out over that period. Two games in six or seven weeks is not good enough for someone who's 900K or thereabouts. So I think that's the tough call with so like whether you trade out or hold the trail. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that one there? Yeah, two games in, in the eight-week period will be tough. You, you need him even if he scores two 200s. That's still only... Uh, 50 points a game when you when you break it down so the hard part is is, is who do you buy but look I think if the bunnies are flying uh, yeah the troll is too much money to have sitting there I do think for me this is a, a next week problem because I'm not going to trade them out this week and who's available in round 13 could be very convincing I guess let's say Tommy Turbo doesn't play origin like I'd, I'd find it very hard not to go the troll down to Tommy just you know knowing that Tommy will at least play 13 and um, he won't play 14. But yeah, like that that's going to be really tempting to, to have that. And then at the same time, you know, like if, if Tommy does play Origin and then does that mean Reese Walsh is available? Does that mean is Kalen Ponga available? Like those are all potentially, you know, pivots that you can go from the trail to. Uh, it's not ideal, but, you know, like I said, it's kind of just trying to juggle that uh, because there's the real possibility even if he plays three or even four of over seven, like that still may make your trade out of the troll worthwhile. So 
that's kind of where I'm looking at it at this stage. Like if you had to pair him with a with a fullback though, I mean, I, I feel like it's just kind of got to be Gotha, right? Someone who plays all three rounds and or you just go with the center wing dual position, like having Lockie Miller plus like a Ruben Garrick that you can throw back there or ideally someone who can cover around 14 for you in, when they're both on their bar as well. That's kind of how I'd, I'd be approaching that position. Yeah, the good thing about obviously if you've got one of them back there, say you've got Garrick and you've got Miller and I know he's not good, but say you've got Taruva or, or no, I've got Hayes Perham. I don't think he's very well owned, but it um, it gives you someone to, you can always sort of field one fullback, you, you would like to think. Um, it might leave you stretched in your centre wings, but I think that's, if you're going to hold Luttrell, um, obviously Gutho misses 14. Maybe you get Luttrell back for 14 if he doesn't get rested. Um, but I do like the shout of, of having fullback centre wing dual positions that you can, yeah, cycle through. All right. Now, 5-8, we talked about it last week briefly, but I think it comes down to if Munster backs up in round 14, a Munster deal bags pairing could be the ideal setup for the rest of the season, or at least, you know, to get through the buys and maybe move deal bags on to someone else because uh, I think we talked about it. The Eels late season draw is not ideal, plus they've got the round 27 buy mixed in there. So uh, I do think that might be a way to play it, but I don't have Munster, so it's not a problem I'm having to wrestle with. But do you see yourself kind of, if you had Munster, are you trading him out over the origin period? or I think if you've got him, you, you've got a hold. Uh, obviously, I don't have him either. But yeah, he, he got teary with, with Bellamy and, and kept him to stay. So hopefully that's uh, yeah, showing just how invested Munster is on the Storm this year. They're not flying, so they probably can't afford to drop too many games over the origin period. And um, the guy's just a competitor, right? If, if his two legs and two arms are attached to his body, he's probably going to roll out. So I'd, I'd, I'd hold. That's fair, and I guess you could technically pair Munster with uh, Cody Walker as well, who does cover around 14 and 17, but misses around 20 as well. So that's, I guess, the only bit of a question mark there in case Munster doesn't back up in round 20. So, uh, look, I, I think it's I'm, – I'm not sold either way on whether you trade out Munster or not. I, I feel like the gap between him and, you know, like a Dillbags and Cody or, or, you know, maybe even Kalen Ponga, a resurgent Ponga, is not as big as uh, the gap right now between, say, Harry Grant to some of the other hookers or, you know, even like a Luttrell down to the other options at fullback right now. So that's kind of how I would see it. Uh, halfback, look, it's tough, right? Most of us uh, are riding with Nico and Cleary. Uh, some poor souls did, you know, maybe ditch Cleary for Moses and regretting that choice. But, you know what I mean? Like, I think if if... It comes down to whether Nico's picked, right? That's pretty much what it comes down to. Like, if he's in the sixth, then maybe it becomes a bit tougher because the buy, like for for the Sharks, they they ha- they miss round seventeen for the buy, and then they they're on the buy in round thirteen. But obviously, Nico, if he's playing Origin, he won't be able to help you there either. Uh, if he doesn't play Origin, he'll be able to cover round sixteen and nineteen for you, which is ideal. But and also round fourteen. But if yeah. I feel like if Nico's playing off the bench, though, if he's 18th man, then he'll still be available, I reckon, for round 14. So to me, that's probably the ideal situation. Like, Nico could play Origin, get get paid, get the reward for his good form. But, you know, make him the utility, make him 18th man, whatever. <laughs> if uh, he misses. Yeah, yeah, us Queenslanders don't want to play the six either. 
No, no, the best thing that we were cheering for Jerome Luai last week, and because uh, he, he, well, he could come out and prove us strong, but he's just never really done it for New South Wales, has he? So, other than make us angry, so hopefully they do pick him and, and leave the um, the wet haired Deli M winner on the sideline. But if he does miss Origin, his draw after sort of round fifteen in terms of who he plays is unreal. Like there'll be no, we won't be talking on this podcast who's the captain. It'll be it'll be Nico. Yeah, the the Sharks uh, also have a really good late season draw too. So absolutely uh, could be Nico every week there. Coming back to the other positions, like I, I feel like it's a lot more open, right? Because you have more, you know, second row, you've got three starters and three bench. Center wing, you've got four starters, three bench. Front row forward's a little bit tougher, but I don't know. I kind of feel like most people are getting to a point where they're, they're locking in like Tarpane, Torhu, Horsper, a couple of guys like that, maybe Fanua Blake, and then you don't really need to do too much about it. Like you're never going to get full coverage across the, all the rounds. And, you know, all of those guys covered two of the big buy rounds. So to me that I think it's good enough pretty much. So yeah, I, I, I feel like, I, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts on the buy strategy at the moment? No, no. I think maybe sort of, look, don't get too carried away with, with the late buy would be my suggestion. Like nineteen twenty. it's always good to look there, but, We've seen just in the last week with Sean Lane going down, Manu missing a couple of weeks. Injuries can happen. So I would sort of put 80% of your focus on the early buy round, get yourself through there to halfway through the buy period, origin two, and, and then work from there. Yep. I know we've spoken a lot about round 14. And, you know, again, Seagulls, Knights, and the Eels, all who cover round 13 and 16, they're on the buy. So the danger for a lot of people have been overloading. I feel like if you can have maybe five maybe six max from those three teams combined then you might still be able to scrape through round 14 with the minimum of damage as long as again you're covering those key areas like i said you know if harry grant doesn't back up you've got coverage or something like that i I think any more than that because you've got to start 17 and round 14 right and round 17 and round 20 you can't have the luxury of only starting 13 and if you've got you know 17 starters you've got six guys on the bye or something like that, you're left with two others who, you know, if they're origin players or you've got enough in there or, you know, an injured guy, you're going to be scratching for 17 around 14 without making forced trades and possibly less ideal trades because, you know, you've got these buy period guys for a reason. You want them to cover around 13 and 16. So the last thing you want to do is be forced into trading someone out in round 14 before they cover 16 for you. So, you know, and, and casting ahead a little bit, like the Bulldogs, the Sharks, and the Tigers are the ones who cover, who who cover round sixteen but miss round seventeen. So, you know, it's a it's about balance. I know plenty will be rushing in to bring a lot of these guys from round fourteen onwards because, again, those guys do cover round sixteen and nineteen. But yeah, the danger is you're going to leave yourself short, just like those who've gone too hard with the Seagulls, Knights, Eels players from round fourteen. Uh, where you end up like struggling a little bit there. So, yeah, that's probably the last thing I'll say on that. Uh, I feel like every year balance is key, but all the more reason to be balanced in your team this year. Don't have too many of one team's players. I think we said very early on, you know, a general guide might be not having more than three. I I would say, yeah, that's pretty much where I put the ceiling, especially like over this period where like the Eels, you might go with three because they cover three big buy rounds, but... Outside of that, it's just super risky because you're going to leave yourself very exposed in round 14 and, you know, some of the other rounds too. So, 
Yeah. All right. I think that's about as much as my voice can handle for today. So cheers for jumping on, having a chat with me again. Any final thoughts for round 12 before you, uh, you know, we, we make our trades for the week? Nah, mate. Nah. In Nico, we trust, I guess. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you again soon. Thanks, mate.